What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's convenient courses are helping me learn real-life conversation skills in Spanish. It's getting so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, or speak to merchants. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com SPP. That's right. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest, I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Mr. Rojas, welcome to 2023. Thank you. I'm noticing a different, uh, a different vibe to your studio. Oh yeah. Have you not seen anything? I've seen it, but our listeners don't know about it. Oh, oh, oh. I, yeah. Have we even talked about of that? Of course not. So. Unless you wow. slid it into an interview. No. So I moved my, I moved my office to the basement because it just felt like a better room. <laughs> Look at it. It felt like a better room. Yeah. It's like 52 degrees down here every day. I have a space <laughs> heater on the floor so I can stay, stay warm. Oh, I just figured, God, you know. That's hilarious. Uh, no. I uh, finished the nursery upstairs. I know why you did it. You got you got a little roach on the way. We have a, a baby boy coming in February. Everybody listening, let's start the new year by congratulating our producer, Jonathan Rojas, on the beginning of the end of his life. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of big things happen in your world. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So we're getting ready. That's cool, man. I'm looking forward to it. One thing I wanted to say, so so those listening, I don't know where we're gonna start this episode, but this is our end of year slash beginning of year kickoff slash close. We used to do it often. I don't know if we've done it for a couple of years. And what's funny is I was going to say to you, hey, Roach, like we've grown. Like, I don't even want to drink anymore. You know, we used to do it and we'd take shots and we do all this stuff. And like you and I both recently discussed how we don't really drink anymore. And then something happened to me. I went on vacation over the holidays. And I was introduced to a drink called Mezcal. You ever have Mezcal? Of course. Yeah. You say, of course. I'm sure a lot of people listening would say, of course. I've never had it. Smoky tequila, baby. It's oh, like drinking a campfire. Oh, my God. 
my life yeah. is both changed and over because now I can just drink anytime and feel like it's okay because that's what mezcal tastes like. You want to party? Mezcal. You want to chill at night? Mezcal. You want a little sip during the day? Mezcal. So it's my drink of 2023. I poured one. I saw you bring a beverage to the table. And so here we are yet again imbibing. Well, before before we move on past that, do you drink mezcal by itself or do you make some type cocktail. of mix? Okay. I was going to say that's going to be your problem because cocktails with mezcal usually are on the citrus right. side and they taste so, so good. I just, where so has good. it been hiding? So Mexico. Mex- <laughs> uh, for those listening, that's not what we're here for. Let, let me tell you my plan for this episode. What I'd like to do is John and I have pre-chosen clips from episodes this year that we enjoyed. And we are going to play those clips for each other. We are going to blind react to them. And then the person that chose the clip is going to explain why they chose it, what their significance is. So that is the meat of this episode. We have approximately eight clips chosen. That'll take up a good portion of it. But we also wanted to spend the time chatting. You know, you don't get to hear from John too often. You don't get to hear me not interviewing somebody. And it's always a fun way to start the year. So it's both educational. It's a way for us to relate to you and, you know, a way to start things off right. Uh, John, what would you add to that? What do, what's going on in your mind uh, as we start this new year in this episode? Well, I also wanted to put you on the spot mm. and, you know, like new years, new resolutions, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Right. And wanted to put you on the spot where we could talk about what we want to do with the podcast Ooh, this year. I like that. My podcast goals this year are relatively simple. The outcome I'm hoping is not. And what I mean is, uh, number one, I want to get ahead on interviews. We're already there. So I just have to, you know, get a couple edits done, send them to you, and then we're good. I want to do more outreach for interviews. So those listening might not know, but a lot of our guests are inbound. We get about, I don't know, 10, 20 inbounds a day, and we kind of comb through them and pick the best two a month. My outbounding, we get to choose, and I think it's even more targeted. So that's number one, more outbounds. Number two, more kind of like expand that TikTok production going into YouTube shorts and really try to, I'm not going to say focus on social because then I lose interest but focus on creating consumable content for people that I think is beneficial. And that's number two. Number three is I want to rebrand, but by rebrand, I just mean like we've talked about this, continue to niche down to find our je ne sais quoi. I don't know if I use that the right way, but you know, yeah, I actually had a thought. I'm going to pilot it. I'm going to pilot this thought right here for listeners and for you, John. I think I want to make the tagline be better at life through smart people. So everything we do is targeted to how do we be better at life? Because as we're going to get into today, everything I listen to, every episode we have, every clip, every guest, there's always an angle on how can I use this to be better at life? And I think that, I think Mm. that's my thing. Okay. Your turn. So things you want to improve upon, go for it. I should have thought about this before asking (laughs) you the question, (laughs) but honestly, uh, two things really come to mind. One is we've talked about like newsletters and that kind of stuff and being able to like, uh, build up an actual newsletter base. But the way that I'm looking at it is through the lens of community. Mm. So 
2022, I watched a ton of Twitch streamers. Mm-hmm. Like I just watched a bunch of it. I'm fascinated by uh, somebody that goes live, talks to their community, talks to the chat and all that kind of stuff. But they like develop these communities and everybody's there to talk about the same thing, be there for the same thing. So I want to focus on trying to figure out how to like build a community Mm. with our listeners, right? So whether that's a small group or a larger, like less close knit community, whatever that might be. Uh, But I think the first four way, what the hell is that? You got it. You're almost there. Four way? No. (laughs) (laughs) What is the word? (laughs) Man, I don't want to edit that out. Four A. Yeah, that. Yeah. Into that really is writing about stuff in a newsletter that people care about and actually would want to learn more about. So, you know, that goes right along that. that that goes right along with the be a better human. When you said that I was like I'm I'm 100% there. Yeah, because like I'm on everything we listen to every guest right, we can say at the end of the day, how do we utilize this to be a better human? Right. That's a big one. So those so, are the two things. That, okay. The, yeah. Cool. Those are the two things that I had in mind for the podcast. All and right. make t- 20 billion dollars. 20 million yen billion it's funny when did it hit you when did it occur to you that we actually will not uh be able to do this as a full-time job what do you mean like i had totally anticipated that this would be our full-time job by now uh but there was a moment where i realized that will never happen has that has that occurred to you yet no okay good keep the faith (laughs) all right so should we get into it yeah let's get into it all right john so we're gonna get into this because i have more clips because you have more work to do post-session. Uh, I will start first. And I'm going to start with Nate Zinser, episode 402. Here's the clip. You get to choose how you think. And your responsibility to yourself as a performer is to make sure that your thoughts about yourself are consistent with the quality of performance that you want to have in that situation. How much of your mindset is dependent on experience? A great deal. But it's a question of which moments from your path are you using as a sort of template for your future? We all have a vast stock of memories But I think we have to be selective about them in terms of which ones we take most seriously because those are the memories that are going to sort of serve as a foundation or a platform for what we do in the present and into the future. So blind react, John. Didn't set this up, never sent it to you. Just totally whatever comes off the dome. No, it's funny. It's actually, I was was listening to the episode uh, I think it's a little bit after this where he starts talking about it, where it's sitting at some lunch table or whatever. Mm. So I, I was going to include something from Nate, but I, I do really like this clip. And a lot of the things that I end up liking are those things that you think about and you're like, well, duh, right? Like mm. it seems yep. like it should yes. be those things that are should be known by everybody and are obvious and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but when you think about it, like what he's talking about there is getting mentally prepared to put yourself in a state of mind to be like successful somewhere, whether it's on the sport field, in business, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's easily overlooked. Um, while you were playing that, I was trying to remember if I'd played in any 
like championship games, mm-hmm. right? And like what feeling I had going through. Mm-hmm. And I honestly couldn't remember. But like now, even when I watch a, a the Capitals play like the Stanley Cup or the Nationals in the World Series, like I got nervous, right? Mm-hmm. Like my heart was racing and all that because I wasn't mentally prepared for them to be in that position and that kind of stuff. That's a good uh, one. So it just, yeah, it reminded me of you have to practice that in addition to... uh in addition to like actually on the field. And I like your follow-up too, right? Like, cause you asked how much of it is experience where mm-hmm. there probably is some good percentage of that, that does come from experience. You know, Tom Brady, you're in the Super Bowl X number of times. At some point you're probably like, this is the lowest my nerves could be. You're still going to have nerves, but it's going to be the lowest. Yeah. He actually talks about where confidence comes from and real confidence can only come from experience. He talks about that. I think- yeah. What you said is very similar to mine with a few differences, which is number one, you get to choose your thoughts. That's something that we've all heard, but I really think, especially when you're in the midst of it, you would say you don't. And that's something that has always plagued me is like, if I get to choose my thoughts, why do they suck so much so often? Right. In fact, the next clip I show you, we'll kind of talk about this a little bit, but I'll tell you why. This has stuck with me through the entire year. And I, I encourage everybody to go listen to these if, if you haven't or if they interest you. He says that much of our confidence comes from which memories we choose to focus on. That's what he talks about. That's kind of where the end of that clip is. And I go into it further with him because he says, you know, the greats, if you ask them about their performance, they'll tell you about their successes. They won't tell you about their failures. It's not, it's not what they define themselves by. And so I always think about what personality I have or what personality you have or whatever, and which memories do you choose to focus on and how that's going to shape your results, which is what we're all trying to get. And so all year in scary situations, I've said, okay, what am I remembering? Is it positive? Does it serve me? If not, let's find one that does serve me. If I don't have any, that I better build some skills. Dude, it's crazy. It's a game changer. One of my favorite clips. All right, moving on. We'll bring you up next. Which one do you want to go to? Can you play the Todd Cashton? All right. Clip? This is episode 408, Todd Cashton, how to challenge the status quo and win. Okay. And I was thinking it might be helpful if we set it up. Do you want to set it up at all? You don't have to, but it might be helpful for listeners. I'll tell you what I named the file. The file's named Punk Rock Ethos. That's that's our that's our okay. That's the, we'll that's the that. setup. All right. Having the punk rock ethos of trying to find the best way that's often deviates from mainstream thinking is anathema to leadership where you're trying to keep a culture and an organization intact. And yet we know you know, in a VUCA world that's volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, of course you need a punk rock ethos, which is if you don't evolve, then the environment is the dominant force that you're responding to as opposed to you predicting and anticipating what trends are important for a group to survive and to be healthy. Wow. I keep my clips short, baby. That's a good one. That's a really good one. I'm processing it because... Not gonna lie, it instills a little fear in me because I almost reverse this idea of the punk rock ethos, meaning like 
sometimes people who are alternative drive me crazy because I feel like they're being alternative just to be alternative. I mean, you and I talk about this all the time, right? You will often push back on mainstream and then I'll mess with you because I'm like, you're only doing that because it's mainstream, right? So I wonder if that thought process has really led me to be more basic almost if I want to be harsh. Now I say that because I can then hear a 30 second clip, which is the whole point of this podcast, which we're rebranding, be a better human and say, you know what? I need to work on that. I need to work on this punk rock ethos, which I interpret as, you know, be different, be yourself, don't conform because in a world of constant change, conformity will only like leave you behind. And, uh, I do agree with that statement. So I'm down. So it's super interesting how you took that clip because in the context of that entire interview, mm -hmm. he talks about Fugazi, right? Like the yeah, band, the, the punk rock band right, from, from Washington, DC. And what's really interesting about Fugazi is and why this kind of uh, uh, stuck with me is Fugazi's whole like business practice and their their ethos or whatever was kind of like DIY trial by error iteration, mm. right? So they were like, all right, if we need somebody to sell merchandise, that means that we need to have somebody there to sell the merchandise. That means that we have to pay for them to travel. That means that we have to pay for them to lodge. Let's not sell merchandise, uh. right? Until people were like, we want merch, we want merch. And then they started selling it themselves. Wow. So it's kind wow. of this like iterative approach of do these small things, learn from it, do these small things and learn from it. And because I'm a product manager at my company, like I also like fall into that where that's kind of how I look at stuff is like, what is the smallest iteration or change that we can meet or make to, to meet whatever the customer is trying to do and then keep building off that versus having this grand idea plan thing already planned out where you're like, oh, I'm going to build this and you just iterate to get there versus uh, making all those assumptions up front. You know what I love about this actually is in two minutes, you and I just defined why podcasting is better than the clippy TikTok, Twitter nature of content, right? Because yes, I could hear that interpreted a different way. It doesn't mean it's less valuable, but it's not what Todd necessarily meant from it. So having my interpretation, then hearing yours, and then eventually listening to the whole episode will give me this well-rounded context where I can get the most out of it, which is why right. an hour-long podcast is so much fun. I agree. Nice. And Todd is such a brilliant dude. If you didn't listen to Todd, trust me, go do it. Is he still in Virginia? Yeah, he is. I feel like we should try to do something. We with should. Him. Actually, I think he might have said that to me. So I'm in. Again, that was Todd Cashton, episode 408. 408. This episode is brought to you by Hymns. We don't want to admit it, but 52% of men over 40 experience some form of erectile dysfunction. But like many health problems, no one wants to talk about or take up hours of your day to deal with it. That's why you need to check out Hims. Hims is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you can get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Hims offers an array of high-quality options, including pills or chews for ED, and serums, sprays, or oral options for hair loss. If prescribed, 
your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No waiting rooms and no pharmacy visits. No insurance is needed. Pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. You can even manage your plan on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at hims.com/smart. That's h i m s.com/smart for your personalized treatment options. One last time, hims.com/smart. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hims.com/twist for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscriptions plan. All right, now I am going to bring you in to Ethan Cross, episode 397. Title, The Amazing Impact of Self-Talk and How to Master It. And as a little setup, probably my favorite episode of the year, if not very top This is all about the idea that we have voices in our head that guide a lot of our lives and decision-making, and we need to pay attention to them. The acute impact of physical pain is often more severe in the sense of like, you know, getting your hand caught in a stove. Like like that's more painful in an acute sense than getting rejected, as an example. But usually that physical pain tends to subside, whereas the emotional pain often lingers because of what I call chatter, which is we experience those rejections, we get into those arguments, and we don't just leave them behind, but we keep on reflecting on them over and over again. And we keep them active in our heads in ways that are the source of enormous, enormous suffering. It's not only that we can think about those experiences, but then we can also make them so much worse than they actually are. And there's seemingly no limit to the degree to which we can elaborate on our negative experiences. I think that that's, I think that that's a hundred percent right. And if I'm understanding it correctly, right? Like when you have an emotional thing, whatever it is, you break up with a girlfriend, you get divorced, you do whatever you think about that for over and over and over. It informs thoughts and all that kind of stuff compared to, I tore my Achilles playing softball. Exactly. Right. Like, and it was super painful in the moment, but gone. Mm Mm-hmm. It is gone from my memory now. I don't think about it. Anything that I'm doing, I'm not like, oh no, I'm going to tear my Achilles again. Like it has never crossed my mind. Uh, So I definitely get it. I don't know why we do it. I think it's probably because we're stupid, right? Like we're just dumb animals. (laughs) Well, you know, what I love about what you just said is number one, in that episode, we talk about why we do it and the importance. So again, this is the the reason, you know, we're kind of highlighting it. Number two, your example of the Achilles is actually fantastic because it was pretty traumatic. It put you out for a long time. It looked disgusting. We can talk about it if we want. I was there. You thought, actually, you thought I caused it if we want to go back to it. Um, I thought you threw a ball at me. Exactly. Which I did not, but for the record. Uh, But, (laughs) but it's gone. And like, you will, you, you probably won't let it dictate any aspect of your life. Right. Even we asked you to come play softball. I think you were like, yeah, if I can make it like you were like, no, because I tore my Achilles. Right. The reason this is important is because for much smaller emotional wounds, right, 
Yes. I, I left my fly down or, you know, somebody made fun of me. We can carry that for decades, lifetime. And so I think it's recognizing that. It's recognizing how much impact are we going to allow this emotional pain to have? And how much of our life are we going to allow it to dictate? Uh, to wrap up this point, I will say a quote that my dad taught me, and I don't know who it came from, which is, I think it was Mark Twain. I have experienced many terrible things in my life, and some of them actually happened, <laughs> you know? And I just, yes. I, I mean, that's it. I just, if, if we can master our mental realm, man, we'll be far more happy people. Ethan Cross. But, but how much harder is it to master the mental realm compared to the physical, right? Well, it's an interesting question because when we say master, right? Uh, I mean, how hard is it to become Tom Brady? Pretty hard, <laughs> right? That'd be mastering. True. Uh, so I would, I would actually say to get good at mental is probably easier than to get good at physical because you just have to sit there. You don't have to go somewhere. But anyways, we don't. Episode 397, Dr. Ethan Cross. All right, Roach, what do you want next? All right, can you cue up Steve Magnus? And this is episode 411, Steve Magnus, How to Build Healthy Resilience and Toughness. And to kind of put context around this, it talks about looking at things through the lens of kids, um, something that I'm sure that I'll be doing a lot more of very soon. Uh, but it's, it's pretty interesting to me. It's, it's copy the, the kindergartners or the first graders. If you've ever, if you have young kids or you've ever worked with young kids, what you often see is they, they dabble a whole heck of a lot until they find something that is interesting. And then for the, like that week or that month or whatever, that period, they are all in on it. They're like, I am a policeman and I'm going to be a policeman and this is what it is. But what's interesting is they don't get stuck on that for life. A week or a month later, they're like, you know, forget this. I'm going to be a fireman now. And then they like go deep into that. And I think we can learn a lot from that, especially journalists, is it's like not only being journal on the surface level, but also give yourself those moments where it's like, okay, I'm going to just dive into this and like, let's see what it is. And eventually I'll pop back out. But part of the work is diving into it. Man, I love it. The reason is this, both you and I enjoy a lot of things. Why we do this mm -hmm. podcast, why we have all these hobbies, it's why all this stuff. I don't know about you, but every year that goes by, I find myself unwilling or less willing to do things because they interest me if they don't have a clear return. Yes. And I can guarantee my life has become more dull because of that belief set, right? Now, I could justify it by saying that that's necessary to meet the demands and responsibilities of my current life. But I could also go the other way and say, number one, you don't know the outcome of digging into those things. And number two, life is about living, not simply meeting responsibilities. Is there a way to find a better balance? And so the last thing I'll say before I turn it over to you is I keep in mind, I'm the one that interviewed these people and I forgot about that. This is why 
You're talking about building the community. This is why we're doing TikToks. This is why we're going to do newsletters is because we need to capture these lessons so you can mark them and say like, which ones do I want to use to make a habit? And this will be one of them. So nice work. Yeah. And it's funny too, because when that interview continues, you talk about one of your kids and them playing Pokemon Go Mm -hmm. and you being like, oh, you can watch these YouTube videos. You can figure out how to do this and this and this. And your son was like, "Uh, I already know what I want to do. I'm just going to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, he's playing, he's interested in it. He'll do what he wants of it. He might put it down and pick up Roblox the next week or something like that. Right. Uh, but I think about that a lot because there's a lot of stuff that I come across where I'm just like, oh yeah, it'd be cool to do this. But at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this because I don't think I'm going to get good at it. Oh, and point. that sucks, yeah, right? Because yeah. you don't have to be good at everything. Uh, and you know whether it's painting or woodworking or any of these things where I'm like, hey, this would be cool. I don't need to have a profession in it. Wow. I don't need to be the best at it. Mm. Uh, but yet still my mind is like, oh, you're going to waste time doing this for what means. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, it could just be interesting. It could fill time that instead of watching TV or, you know, doing browsing the internet, I could be doing something that's interesting to me where I could learn something. And even if you put it down two weeks later, like, so what, man, when does that happen? Right? Like it's so true. I remember. I have a memory I'll never forget. You, you know, my friend, Jesse, you've, you've, yeah. have you ever met Jesse in person? Of course. You have, yeah. Right? yeah. When we were younger in the summer, we used to have this thing where one of us would go over to the other person's house and like literally throw rocks at their window at the, the earliest we possibly could. So sometimes 5 a.m., 6 a.m. Because we felt like the days were short. And there was so much fun to be had. Yep. And I think about that all the time because now my goal is to, how long can I like let, you know, trick my wife into letting me sleep so I can minimize the days almost because they're filled with a lot of stuff I have to do as opposed to what I want to do. And it gets frustrating because it's just not the way to go about it. So right here, right now, this is changing and I just love it. Nice work. Okay. Moving on, we have, oh wait, let's, let's review. Before we move on, that is episode. That's episode 411, Steve Magnus, how to build healthy resilience and toughness. All right, nice. Next, we are going to Nick Vogue. Nick was episode 399, what self-worth theory says about your motivation. And you and I did not plan this. But as you just said, you said you will often not do things because you can't get good at them. And it just so happens that the clip I pulled from Nick and what a lot of this episode is about is about things like why we procrastinate. I'm going to leave it at that and we'll finish the discussion afterwards. So many people who are procrastinating will feel that intensity, right? They're like, I'm so activated. I'm so agitated that I'm stuck. I can't think. That's an indication that what's on the line isn't the product. Many of those, if we dig beneath that, or have resonances for our sense of ourselves. You know, I was hired here to do X, Y, or Z, 
And my boss took a chance on me to give me this position. If I don't do this, I'm kind of betraying that trust that interpersonally, or I'm showing I really, I wasn't a good choice, or I'm not really capable. I don't have that potential. And so those can be operating on us because of the meaning or significance we've attached to the task. I'm presenting who I am to people through the, my production. And the motivation for self-preservation is completely understandable. I mean, first thing that comes to mind here is imposter syndrome, right? Mm. Like, I feel like most people, if not all people, have some level of imposter syndrome. Hearing Nick talk about, my boss hired me to do this job, this task, this thing, and I feel like I might be inadequate or not giving what was there, right? I've Everybody I've ever talked to has had that feeling Hey, what happens when they figure out that I'm a fraud, Mm. that this job that I'm in, I'm not good for and all of that kind of stuff. So the first thing that came to my mind was the thing about imposter syndrome. But the other thing that I was thinking about was procrastination, right? Like, so he was talking about procrastination and really examining why you do that and all of that kind of stuff. Like, maybe it's not the thing I want to do, or maybe that there's some underlying thing. And all I could do selfishly was think about, I've been a procrastinator my entire life, but I also think it's because in elementary school, in middle school, all of those things, like it was easy for me to excel in school. So I was able to put everything off to the last minute, everything. And then that stuck with me in high school. And in high school, it started getting a little bit harder, but I could still procrastinate and get things done. And then college got a little bit worse than that. And then at a job, like to this day, I'll have some deck that I need to build for a client. Mm -hmm. I'll have four weeks to do it and I'll wait inevitably to the last week to do it. Cause I'm just like, Oh, I'm motivated to do my best work at the very end. But like, there's something else there. I've never figured out why. Well, well, look, (laughs) I do that, but it happens all the time. Here's the thing. Again, number one, I'm realizing I'm not great at clip selection because I've interviewed these people. So like the whole story is in my brain, but then I'm realizing Mm. it doesn't come across in the audio. Why are you procrastinating? Cause I do the exact same thing as you very similar kind of, life journey in that regard. Here's what I learned. When you're procrastinating, when the average person is procrastinating, they're not putting off the work because they want to. And this is what Nick says. They're putting off the work because they believe that the work is a direct implication on their ability. Mm. They're tying, and his whole episode is about self-worth. They're tying their self-worth to their deliverables. I know I do that. I think you do too. I think that's what you're saying. So what he's saying is if this three-page paper were just a paper, you wouldn't procrastinate. You would just bang some stuff out and whatever. Yeah. But we don't view things that way. We view it as this is, if I do good, I'm smart. If I build a good deck for my client, I am technologically capable or whatever. That has a lot more meaning. And so we put it off because it's scary. And then at the end... We've been thinking about it that whole time. So we haven't been not working. We've been thinking about it. And we also need that boost to make us do it. And it's probably going to be good, but it's not the best approach necessarily. So all in all, what I will say is what this episode taught me is to try. And he goes on to talk about this. Try to recognize, you know, if I'm putting this off, why? Oh, I'm putting it off because... If I'm not good, then that says this about me. And and then to realize none of that's true. That's a story, right? The story you told yourself, you're learning, you're getting better. 
If somebody's going to judge you off of one deliverable, that's on them, not you. You have a lifetime of experiences. And so you're constantly doing to grow. It's not about who you are necessarily. And maybe that can limit the pressure we put on ourselves. Make sense? What do you think? Makes sense. So hopefully I can edit these clips down to be a little more concise, but man, I'm finding it hard because the episodes are not simple. We're not a show about Paradise Island. That's the show, right? Did I just make that up? I think you made that up. Okay. Love Island? Love Island? I don't know. I don't watch any of that stuff, but whatever. Okay. Uh, you have one left. Would you like to set us up? I have one left. It is from episode 412, Will Store the status game on human life and how to play it. And this kind of talks about the aspects of what tribes used to be. Here we go. So we've evolved to play small status games in, in relatively small groups of people. We haven't evolved to feel like we're competing with all of the world. We haven't evolved to play status games on the corporate level where we're not one of 25 people, perhaps, um, in, in, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a mobile band. We're one of... 25,000, you know, so, 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 so you know, I, I'm convinced that a lot of the 21st century misery and alienation and hopelessness that we feel is because we, we, we feel it, it, it's much harder for us to feel of value in the modern world than it was back in the days of the tribe. Back in the days of the tribe, your tribe was the whole world. You know, you were aware of other tribes, but your tribe, you know, but, but your kind of patch of territory that was the world, and, 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 and you were the humans on it. Dude, I, as soon as this started playing, I knew where it was going. I remember this episode. I would say this is another one, I'll get to it, that has shaped me in a sense because it validated a lot of my feelings. He says, the tribe used to be your whole world. Um, a lot of what Will talks about in that episode is similar to what, actually, what Nick talks about in terms of self-worth, right? We talk about this idea that um, humans want to feel valuable. Every single person wants to feel valuable. They want to feel like they're right. adding something. And honestly, I think a big, big, I would say the majority of our problems today can boil down to the fact that in a global civilization, which we were not intended to live in, it's really hard to feel valuable, right? And so this is why social media, this is why I believe younger kids, my kids, your soon be kids, they're going to struggle because it's like a, it's like a global beauty pageant slash talent show on a level that is unwinnable. And so I don't know the solution. I think recognizing the challenge and then a lot of these episodes, the ones we're talking about right here, uh, it comes down to doing the mental work. One one more thing before I turn it over to you. It also reminds me of something that happened to me today. So Austin, you, you know, my, my seven-year-old, he, um, we got him an iPad for Christmas and we got um, Apple Arcade because we thought that would solve the problem. There's not advertisements on Apple Arcade. Uh, he can pick, I can set the age limit. There's like, it's we're like five days in. And you know what his biggest problem is? Too many options. Too many options. Reminds me of a, a episode from like a decade ago, The Paradox of Choice. You and I got like three Nintendo games or whatever, right? One computer yeah. game. So like it, don't like it, doesn't matter. You will grow to like it. 
He spends more time trying to figure out what the best game is than playing a game. Well, that's like what we do on Netflix, right? We spend yeah. like 30 minutes yes, but trying to pick something to watch. We are adults who have, in childhood, we had to we had to figure this out, right? We, we didn't have endless supply. And our parents even less, and their parents even less. So again, it goes back to this. Just I think the wider and the more global our world gets, the more people are connected, the more choices we have. Our brains are not equipped for it, and and our ego is not either. So there you go. Yeah, and I think I honestly think that we've been seeing this happen over, well, really since like the end of World War II, and by that I mean when uh, when Will continues with this, he talks about in your tribe you'd go out and you'd find you'd hunt something, you'd get a deer, and you'd come back and you'd be a hero. You'd go and you harvest some crops, you'd get some sweet potatoes and you'd be a hero and your tribe would look at you and you'd feel this tremendous amount of value where like after World War II, there really wasn't anything uh, to feel like a hero for, right? Like you just worked, you came home, you provided for your family. And then over the years, like things kept zooming out, right? Like in the fifties, you realize that there was more people in the sixties, continuing seventies, continuing TV happens, continuing social media happens. Now we're like zoomed out to the entire globe and it's crazy. So we just keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller in terms of how we feel as humans and what value we provide. Because at the end of the day, I'm, you know, Amanda and I have great jobs. We have houses, we have cars, we're going to have a kid all these things, we're going to be able to provide for it and all that kind of stuff. But outside of that, our value to our community, what is it? Maybe a little bit for me because I sit on my homeowner's board. It's not value, buddy. Everybody hates you, just in case you're wondering. Well, sure. Yeah. But but you know what I, I mean, do. right? Like, And then my value to rest in, zero. Yep. My value to the county of Fairfax, zero. Yep. My value to Virginia. you know, And I can keep going out and it's like, oh man, like either what do I do to provide value or do what, what do I change for my mindset to, to say, okay, my tribe is now just my family and, you know, six or seven close friends, whatever it is, whatever yeah. that chosen tribe is now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely something that I struggle with. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, to have that internalized value. I think it's terrifying. I mean, one thing I'll say, I'd, I'd be interested to have this conversation with you after your kid's born because- it's one of my favorite parts of having children. Now, even now that they're a little older, it's changed, but I'll never forget my first. And just saying like, you know what? Screw the world. Like, I I, I don't care about any of you. Just for this short period, I'm going to sit in my house and I'm going to hold this kid. And it's like a really magical time because the tribe shrinks. Um, but, yeah. but I think it's interesting because I wonder if it's this idea of purpose right? Like, do I have a purpose? Yep. Is it this idea of adding value? Is it this idea of feeling insignificant? And regardless of what the answer is to that question, why do we care so much? Like that, like that's the most interesting part, right? To, to your point, why can't we just say, have all of these things? And I don't mean things materially. I mean, everything, right? Relationships, health, et cetera. Um, I'm on this planet, which is freaking bonkers. Like if you just take a second, so. I'm not going to do that. And, and ultimately what I think it comes down to, and I'll stop my rant is as a species, we are not designed to be happy. We're designed to not die. Win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like really, 
And so lazy people who are just like, I want to see the world, uh, probably would not perpetuate the species. So in, in a way we are designed to kind of, I don't want to say be miserable, but to drive, to be the best, to be the top in the tribe. And we have to redesign ourselves. Uh, it's hard, man. I mean, I've already, I've honestly already started to feel that too, right? Like the kid's not even here yet, but like I spent a lot of time with Conde, Amanda's dad, yeah. building stuff for the kid, totally. right? Like we redid the whole nursery, recalked all the windows, cleaned everything up. I painted that room, built all the furniture and like felt tremendous amount of pride and yeah. value for doing that for this child that's not even here yet. Yeah. So I can only imagine that that's going to just intensify, you know, over the weeks and all that kind of stuff. It will. But the other thing I will say is not, but I shouldn't say, but I just say, and the other thing I will say is you also realize everybody feels that way about their kids. And so yes. like, there's just so many people. I don't know, man. I think the pandemic did something when I was out in Arizona over the break, we went to this like place and there was people everywhere. And I was like, God, I just, I hate everybody. Like stop touching me and running into me and talking loudly and smelling and like whatever. And then I realized like, what a, what a jerk thought that is. Like what, like what, what has happened to our connection? But I, but I disagree. I disagree with that only for the sense that I also think that like, I hate, like I go to the grocery store and I'm like, like, even if you don't know the person, they're, they're, they're just me. Right. Yeah. No, I, I get that. But it also, I think, tightened the tightened the bonds of the close knit tribes, right? Where like now ah. I I, I want to be around random people less. Yeah. But I want to be around people that I like love more. That's like, wow. Um, hmm. Yeah, it was it's interesting. And that's why like I don't want to be at the grocery store or some like random restaurant. I'd I'd rather be somewhere where we like grab take out and eat have like 12 people around the table yeah. together eating eating food versus being out just in public eating with you know just Amanda and I dude like that's really insightful and again there might be people listening who have already had this thought but the podcast is about learning and what you just made me realize is what if we are designed for that right we're designed the younger we are I'm not talking chot baby because then you're reliant but when you become independent, but when you're first independent, your job is to seek out as many tribes as possible to see where you fit in best. And then right. once you fit in, it's to remove everybody else to be the best within the tribe you fit. Yes. Damn, I dude, that's firmly cool. believe that. That's, a, that's cool. All right, look. So that was, that was episode 412, Will Store, the status game on human life and how to play it. Nice. I'm going to give us one more. It's a very fitting one to end on. I will say that this guest overall was not my favorite, but in a way I loved him. So this is Coot Blackson. Okay. Episode 405. John just made a gesture. Tell me about that gesture. I mean, this is another one that I had in my notes on my phone for a timestamp and all that kind of stuff of a clip that I wanted to use. And then I whittled it down to the three that I chose. There you go. So yeah. We would have had overlap with two of them, right. but well, I'm glad we didn't. I'm glad we didn't either. And here's the thing, right, with Coot, why I say it wasn't my favorite. Um, He vacillated between incredibly insightful and insane. Like, 
Like he was. I was like, whoa, are you the my pillow guy? Or are you like Buddha? You know what I mean? Like he, he That's funny. Yeah. And um and I, I don't want to take anything away from him because I tend to err towards the side of he, he's extremely intelligent and he's just different and we need those people. But some of it just got a little outlandish. That said, this clip has blown my mind. Like, it's crazy that these things can stay with me for so long. But in this, what Coot is talking about, and, and I can't wait to get into it afterwards, is sometimes you don't have to take action. You just have to be willing to feel it. Here we go. I do know so many people listening are doing something that's okay to live the life that they want, but there is a gnawing at them that they know it's not exactly what they want to do. It doesn't all have to happen in one instant. Start with the truth. If you can say, you know what? I really hate what I do. Quit negotiating, quit, you know, couching it. It's, it's like, it gnaws me. Feel that gnawing. And I hope, Chris, that gnawing, just, just you feel it and it starts growing as an energetic thing in your being. And I hope it gets louder. I'm not sure. saying leave right now because you have responsibility, but don't numb that gnawing. Don't negotiate that gnawing. Don't smoke it. Don't drink it. Don't weed it. Don't plant medicine in it. Burn in it. Burn in it. That burn might take five years, but burn in it. What most people do is they end up negotiating it away and then they die. And they die with all of those gifts ungiven. By the way, he's saying gnawing. He adds an R in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love it. He's, he's very intense. I had the same thought when I was listening to him, but I also understand why he's been so successful in, yeah. in, in what he does. But I'm on board with that, right? Like if you've got this feeling, just let it burn, let it drive you, all of that kind of stuff, right? Like a lot of people might look at that thing and be like, oh, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to do this and like all that kind of stuff. But really, if you've got that type of feeling, let it be the, the motivation and thing that kind of like drives you um, and don't ignore it. Um, so I don't know. I, I love that episode anyway. So yeah. I could, you know, it was, it was definitely one of my favorite. He motivates me so much. Like, let me, let me tell everybody, including you, John, a story about this. So I interviewed him and this, this part stuck with me, but, and I'll elaborate, but he was like, don't drink it away. Don't smoke it away. Don't. And I was like, man, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. I don't do any of that shit. So I was like, okay, that, that doesn't really apply to me. This was during the work day. I typically interview people for an hour during work. And then I go back to work. So I go work that day and it's a tough day. And you know what I do at about 536 at night? Cause I had a tough day that exact day. I went and had a cocktail. So I'm sitting over dinner and I'm like, ah, oh, talking to Heather. I'm like, I just need a cocktail. And I, I literally take my first sip and I'm like, oh my God, this was what he was talking about. He wasn't saying don't become an alcoholic. He was saying that many of us will tolerate our circumstance by minimizing the pain in other ways, such as drinking, drugs, sex, out, whatever you want to call it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I was doing. Okay, so we might justify it as, oh, I need a glass of wine at the end of the night. But essentially what we're saying is my day was so bad that I would like to escape it or alter my state. And his point is, instead of doing that, don't worry about taking action. Don't worry about quitting your job. Don't worry about leaving that relationship. Don't worry about 
whatever it is, build up the feeling of discontent so that it's so intense you can't help but to make a change and then leverage that emotion to be successful in that change. And dude, when he says burn in it, like burn in it, I loved it because I'm going, I'm not leaving my job anytime soon. I don't hate it. So let's just, but I do have bigger dreams. I need to burn in those bigger dreams until it hurts so bad. It burns so hot that I have to leave. And oh, by the way, every great thing that's happened in my life up until now has become through that burning. You remember when we started this podcast? Yeah. The burn was like, dude, let's, let's roll. Let's, let's, let's go to Arizona. Let's get out of here. I can't take this job anymore in the middle of a recession. I don't care what the other side looks like. And then we just, this came out of it. The thing that I was going to add to that is I don't think it's just don't burn it or don't weed it. Don't drink it. Don't whatever it. Most people that listen to this podcast, including probably you and I, Mm -hmm. are falling into that like, don't work it. Mm. Right. I think that there is a lot of, I think that there's a lot of escape from goals and dreams and ambitions and all that kind of stuff through our like present jobs. Right. Cause we know that we're good at it. We know that we can feel accomplished for doing things. I mean, I see that with both me and Amanda. Right. Like we'll, it'll be like evening and we'll go into doing something from like the work side just to get ahead of things. And that's really, it's really, it's a vice, right? Like working. I I feel like working outside of the 40 hours that you're getting paid for, for Mm -hmm. your job, if you're on a salary, Mm -hmm. like really is a vice where you're just like, Oh, this is the thing. This is the thing that I do because I'm addicted to it. Or this is the thing that I do because I need to feel whatever that like, accomplishment is validation, whatever those things are. Um, but I, I think that's a place that people fall into yeah, where that's a, that's a good point. they don't want to think about the, they don't want to think about the things that they're like striving for and that kind of stuff. And it might be their job, but most of the time it's probably not. Yeah. There, there's a quote out there that after my cocktail, I can no longer recall, but something about like comfort is the enemy of progress or some, some junk like that. But I definitely feel that these days, like I was far more ambitious from 23 to 37. Right. So that 15 year period, that is the quote, by the way. No, it's not. Yeah. PT Barnum comfort is the enemy of progress. Barnum and Bailey. Did I just, did I just quote a circus guy? (laughs) (laughs) Is that seriously who it is? Yeah. Wow. Okay. PT Barnum. First of all, why would I know that? Like what? I, whatever. I don't know. Second, I'm of sure all, it's PT on like Barnum. a shirt or something, but, but it makes a ton of sense. Right. And my point in all of this is in that 15 year span, the amount of crap I did, I, I mean, it's, it's absurd. The amount of mini projects slash businesses I tried to start, whatever. Okay. Then to your point, get a job that pays me fine. <laughs> sometimes I hope yeah. you're not listening. Sometimes more than I think I'm worth. And have my family have my house. I go, why rock the boat? Here's the problem. Right. I, I'm yes. definitely getting less, I won't say content, excited about life on an annual basis. So like, I'm probably more content, but less excited. That's a weird thing to say, right? 
contentment because I can come home, look at my kids, look at my wife, all that stuff and be like, this is what it's about. But I also want that excitement. And so, man, oh, it's a hard thing to solve. What the hell are you doing on your phone? This is what John does. I wish everybody could see you for 40 minutes they of could. this episode. It. John has to multitask. That's, that is not, has that's not to. true. You, 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 that's you not can't true. focus. My you, notes, my notes app is on my, my notes apps on my phone so that I could have the full screen mm -hmm. for, uh, for Riverside up. Use your but notes app in your brain. what I just did right now. Wait, do you not use your notes app? Do no. not love the notes app. I use my brain. Notes and reminders are my two favorite Apple apps. Well, you have to teach me how to use them. Okay, keep going. But all the other stuff that I was doing was all related to this episode. Mm. I was looking up the quote as you were talking about it that so that smart. we could keep going on about it. This is just how yeah. you've lived your life, though. I mean, ever, it since, is. It is. If, ever since the internet was accessible from a mobile device, you have been Dude. checking, the, you know. Oh, my God. I think about that on a regular basis. How plugged into the internet I've been since essentially like America Online. Yeah. Have you like seen, it's pretty crazy. Have you seen the, I'm sure you have, it's on like Instagram, Twitter, all these things. The AI that they asked it to show in 60 seconds, the entirety of human evolution. And it starts from like a monkey no. and it goes, you haven't, come on. Are you serious? They, they asked chat GPT. I don't know if it was chat GPT, but they asked an AI. They said like in 60 seconds, show us a video of all of humanity. And it starts as a monkey and it like evolves. It's really cool. But eventually it evolves into essentially the matrix. And it's funny because I just think like you're like three evolutionary steps ahead in that, like you kind of can't live without it. Like, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's like, it's super yeah. integrated. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. And that's why I call you for, you know, 80% of my problems because most of them can be solved technologically if you stuck around then you are an avid listener there's no way you're not we want to know you right we want to build it the way you want it to be built in john's terms we want to build this community where do we start roach how do we you know like i think we have to build something outside of the podcast that convinces people it's valuable because I recognize everybody listening this is your most valuable resources time. So, uh, we have to provide you with something equally as valuable to connect with. What would you say to that Roach? I mean, I agree. I think we have to figure out what it is. Like I joined when all this like Twitter nonsense was going on. Um, I joined a podcast community on discord and it quickly grew to over a thousand, mm. a thousand people. Um, I mean, there must be, I don't even know how many right now. I don't think Discord's going to be our go-to. I, I don't think it's our audience, right? So we know we're like, what, 60, 40 female, 65, 35. I, and I'm not, I'm not no, gendering. I think, like, I think that's actually, I think that's actually decreasing. But like this, I would say this Discord community is probably, of 50-50 split a, easily. Well, I, and um, I wasn't insinuating but, that women aren't on Discord. Where I was going to go with that is not only 65-35 female or whatever, but I think slightly older. And by older, I mean, I don't mean old, younger than us most likely, but not 18, right? So I think our average age is like 30-35, oh, yeah, 30, 35, et cetera. So I don't definitely. think Discord's going to be our jam, but I want to make it happen because 
think of all the clips we just went through. I want other people's interpretations. I want their lessons, right? So, well, that's where, so I think that that's where like discord adds as the tool for that, right? For those people to like get together and show each other things and talk to each other and all that kind of stuff. Because I think what we've figured out with social media is social media is too, social media is too broad, right? Like it's way too broad and there have been some like good communities built out on Twitter and that kind of thing. Um, but that place is a hellhole right now. So like, yeah, I wouldn't even, you know, try to drive our listeners to it to create a community. Good, because I, I don't there. use it. <laughs> I don't even, I can't yeah, even I, log in currently. <laughs> Dude, you just delete the app from your phone so that like it opens on the uh, internet. And uh, then that way you can actually see the the posts that I'm sending over to you. Done. Because you're not, right you're now. never going to. I'm never going to get Yeah, you're never going to access Twitter. No. But I think, I think Discord is a great place to, to bring people together and just like talk to each other. Well, um, you heard it here. You if you don't know how to use Discord, um, figure it out because that's where you're going to learn everything. All right, listen. Um, those listening, hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think. Smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. Number one. Number two, happy 2022 slash 2023. Hope you have a great new year. Number three, <laughs> the next episode, I think I'm going to air it next, is a banger. I want to start the year off with a blast. Let me just give you a tease. The largest study ever done on human happiness, following over 1,400 people for their entire life and then their children, uh, conducted through Harvard and then currently maintained through Harvard, I'm interviewing one of the head researchers, or I interviewed it. Wait, who is this? Mark something? Is this part of the like happiness project thing or... Happiness, no, uh, I no. this one's different. This is like an in-depth, like they basically just short of living with these people for 70 years. And they looked at all aspects of their life and what makes a, a happy life and all that. It, fascinating, dude. Fascinating. And like I, one thing I have built over 12 years of this podcast is I can, I know a good guest, like somebody who's articulate, sharp, knows the answers, um, honest, authentic. This dude was on the ball. So Anyways, just to say, I want to start the year off with a bang. He's excellent. Actually, the three podcasts we currently have recorded are all really good. So I'm excited for the start to 2023 and what is to come. Reach out to us. Let us know. I respond to every email we get, sometimes at length. Anything you want to add, John? Love you all. Love you all. Good to see you, Roach. And uh, you too, man. Cheers.